Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Everybody, welcome. It's Script Shop. Hi there. My name is Jack. I have a confession to make. I don't like fall as a season, but I do love piles of leaves. <gasps> I'm Allison. Oh, gosh, Jack, are you like the anti-Jack? No. Like you're the is... anti-Christ? No, no. For, no. This <laughs> my, here's, here's the thing. My feelings about fall. You don't I, like E.T. You don't, don't like, like fall. Don't. What was this other thing you didn't like? Was there like some popular food that you really hate? I don't know. I mean, everybody has different tastes. Don't yuck my yum. <laughs> but fall, why I, don't here's you the like thing. fall? I, I, I 100% understand that my feelings toward fall are not popular. And most everybody right? loves fall or yes. they say they love fall. Yeah. I don't like fall. Okay. Why, though? There's it, there's so much about it that I don't like. It, Name it, five things. Uh, every Fall is the only season where the season after it is worse. Uh, <laughs> the difference between fall and winter is the difference between dying and being dead. I respect oh. winter. I don't really care for winter either, but I respect it because I don't have any illusions about whether or not it's going to be great. I know it's going to be lousy. Okay. Fall pretends like it's great, mm-hmm. and it's not. Lewis Black has a wonderful bit about how fall is here, and he can't stand it. And you agree with him, though. I, I'm very much, it, it, it got the gears turning about how the idea that the, the the difference in temperature is so wild because the sun's out, so you're hot, but then there's a breeze, so you're freezing. Um, it's I I don't there's a, I I don't like how it starts getting dark earlier. <laughs> I summer is clearly the best. I feel season. like you're probably just a bummer about this because maybe you don't look cute in sweaters like everybody else does. I look very cute in sweaters. Are you sure? Well, I'll have to find Are out. Are you sure? So this is our podcast. Where I'm we're... Allison, by the way, <laughs> and I think fall's fine. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I do like the idea of piles of leaves. That's the weird. They get in your underwear though. They're very itchy. Well, how, what? I, mean, I jump in them. I'm going to throw all of them. In them. I do it, but they do. But they, <laughs> welcome to Script Shop. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell from all the context clues, this is the podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. <laughs> if you have a script about fall leaves or things that you hate, or things that get into your underwear, we would ooh, we would love to read them. I made that super dirty as soon as you said it. Did you too? Did you do that on purpose? So if you have one of those scripts and you want to send it to us, uh, you can do that in a variety of ways. You can uh, find us on Film Freeway. Look up Script Shop Show or just maybe Script Shop on Film Freeway. Mm-hmm. You can yep. submit your work that way. Yep. Uh, oh, you can also send it to us via our website, www.scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Um, we are reading through the thousands of scripts that we've gotten. We love reading through them. We've got a lot. We have a lot. We, we literally have thousands. Um, literally. Okay. So, well, is it literal if they're like non-physical submissions? I think that that's still literal. It's not like I said we physically have. No, but you're talking about numbers. Like you're, you're giving an accurate reading as to how many we have banked. Yes. Um, so if you are going to want us to read your script ASAP, you should hashtag hot burrito and or send us a Taco Bell party box. <laughs> Ignore this part of the message. Just focus on the fact that if you can communicate with us in some way, the magical phrase hot burrito, whether that is in the Facebook, e- email you send us, email, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, give us a call. 
<laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Again, send us Folks, Al- some tacos. Allison's a liar. Just send them to my house. That would be great. If you look up Script Shop Show on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you can find us that way and uh, interact with us in some way. And the hashtag hot burrito is a way to... Uh, just Let help us, us know. Help us know you're a listener, yeah. that you'd love us to read your script, and we'd love to read it too. So thanks for participating in that. Uh, the person who sent us their script that we've selected for today is Paul Greinert, who wrote a script called Walls. Yes, this is a 20-page Bradbury-esque consumerism world drama. Did, mm. I, did I say the name right? Yeah, you know, you're fine. Yeah, okay. I thought I messed it up. No. Um, a, a consumerism world drama post-apocalyptic in some very, very specific ways. We're going to get to talk to him about building this world and why consumers, consumer, I'll just trip on that one and hit myself in the face. You'll have, you have plenty of chances to say it during the talk, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if that's going to be better or worse, quite frankly. there's the, the vibes in this, I love how it's like a Twilight Zone. It's yeah. like a Black Mirror episode. Ooh, 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 which I've been watching tons of lately. Well, of course, it's because it's, it's really easy so to do. so good. The modern Twilight Zone. Uh, the, the last season I watched, though, was so rough. It was very gory, and it's like if the baby's sitting on the floor playing with her little hot pink and yellow and purple and green cups, mm-hmm. and then they're like, some really intense stuff going that those that duality is a little bit hard for me to manage sometimes so that feels like a shift yeah yeah <laughs> oh you really you don't like watching gore when baby olive is cutely playing uh, with her toys yeah no I'll, I'll like turn it off and just play with her instead i'm trying to think that's of a, better i'm trying to think of a food equivalent for that that would it's it's like it's like eating a bag of doritos <laughs> please go for it and then having like a hamburger flavored milkshake yeah that's sure <laughs> It makes no sense. I think I think my combination was going to be something along the lines of like caviar and ice cream. So yeah, uh, I don't know if that'd be any good either. That's I mean, a, those feel kind of similar. Though. Feels like They're a both, disconnect. I mean, that's fine. So um, <laughs> yes, welcome to Script Shop. So anyway, uh, Paul sent us his script called Walls. We're going to be talking with him in just a moment. The one other thing we want to mention is that uh, in addition to all of the various presences that Cha-ching. we have online. Cha-ching. There's a money, money, Cha-ching. money, money. That's the sound of us making lots of money off of this show. Because we are on Patreon. Because and- we don't, but we would love to. So, get on Patreon, like Jack was saying. Please, sir, could you go could on you Patreon? give us some money? <laughs> We'd like some money, please. <laughs> money, please. <laughs> I love that one. Money, money please. please. Oh, I love Parks and Rec. Look up Script Shop on Patreon and you can uh, find us that way. If you like what we're doing and you want to throw some money our way, we would not uh, turn it down. Right. Thank you. And so, uh, that's it. We should probably... Bring up Paul, who's been very patiently waiting for us in in Chicago, I Chicago. believe. Right, Paul? That's right. Paul, thank, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. The south side, you said, huh? Just outside. Oh, Berwyn. I was like, mm-hmm. cool, cool. I was about to ask what it was like living on the south side of Chicago, but I could just as easily ask, what is it like living on the outside of Chicago? That's right. Just, just the outside. Yeah. Um, well, Berwyn's a, a real nice uh, community. It actually, it's it's uh, it's one of these suburbs that looks a lot like Chicago itself. Uh, and in many ways, it kind of uh, I grew up in Chicago and uh, reminds me of uh, of what Chicago used to be like. Mm. Uh, lots of neighborhood kids, uh, people, you know, in the, in the summertime, people are outside sitting on, on their um, their stoops. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a neat place. Mm-hmm. So you're a you're a windy city lifer, huh? 
Uh, I've been in and out, you know. I okay. moved around the world. Uh, I uh, did a stint five years in uh, Seattle, um, and uh, where I uh, started the Seattle Poetry Slam. I was a, mm. a poetry slam guy for a while. Uh, then um, went to New York to film school to uh, Columbia U. Wow. Uh, so lived in New York for about five years. Then went to Europe and uh, did uh, worked in some crazy TV jobs there. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, Came back home. Man. I, I want to know more about the crazy TV jobs in Europe. <laughs> they were insane. Yeah? Like yeah. what, Benny like Hill insane or what? Uh, startup television station in Birmingham, England. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, um, what's the what's the guy from Black Sabbath? Um, Ozzy? Uh, what's his name? Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. You know how you know how when he's like talking and and uh, and and everybody thinks he's on drugs. Yes, right. Yeah. He's not. He's actually talking Brummy, uh, which is the version of English they talk in Birmingham, which is incomprehensible. Wow. <laughs> uh, just to somebody from outside of Birmingham, even English people can't understand it. Like other English people, it's 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 that it's it's what he speaks. You know, when he's like pretending that he can't speak. Uh, and it's a it's a it's a lot like uh, Bostonian English. Berlin. Pardon? Like Boston? <laughs> that Boston <laughs> accent? <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, uh, that's a that's a real uh, uh, dig at Boston there. Um, <laughs> Just so, having fun with you, Boston. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a startup television station started up by a couple of lawyers, and they wanted to run a television station, wow. and uh, they. They hired me to do it, uh, and uh, and then I had a uh, a crew from all over Europe that from different parts of Europe, uh, and in the end I got fired because one of my crew members got uh, really drunk and punched out a window mm-hmm. and uh, split his entire arm open and bled oh, all over my the God. studio and and everything and oh, uh, and God. and I got fired for it. I wasn't even. Uh, near the guy, or uh, but but somehow apparently this was my fault. Well, you were responsible. Uh, for yeah, it. Paul. It sounds like you were an extremely <laughs> irresponsible person in charge. And yeah, how dare you? <laughs> Good grief! How dare whatever? Or, and then, so I, that, yeah, it, it was crazy. What always and kept that, you? And I'm skipping a lot of the craziness. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, I mean, you don't have to. If there's anything really wacky that you want to tell us, this is a safe space. I would love to hear about it. <laughs> Oh, that was that was pretty insane. So what what in your time at Columbia and and bouncing around that led you to do this thing in Europe? As far as your experience and your education, was it in on the business side of things? Was it specifically as far as writing goes? Yeah, um, I've been a you know like I mean a lot like a lot of people who are you know who do this work. I've I've been writing all my life. I've been acting all my life and you know uh filmmaking has been something I've always been into uh since since childhood. Uh and so that's true of me. Uh it's something I always did. Uh I can you know my my parents were immigrants uh to the US and so uh they were uh very practical minded people and so I when I went to college uh I, they, they had never gone to college. Um, you know, like the, the generation before did, but not them. They, they grew up during World War II and right after. Uh, and so going to college was like, you must go to college and finish college in four years. And, uh, and so I ended up going 
to, to do that and not really knowing what I was doing in college. It was only like in my last semester that I figured out like, gee, you know what, maybe I want to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but at that time they were like, you're finishing no matter what <laughs> now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I finished and graduated. Uh, uh, and so, uh, and then it was like a major struggle to, uh, to get into film school for whatever reason. And, and for, for whatever reason, I thought going to film school was, was super important, you know, uh, like it was going to change my life. Uh, so I did, I applied to the London film school, um, back, you know, back, geez, this would, this would have been the nineties, uh, got in, uh, but this was before you could get a student loan to go abroad. And so I, I, we couldn't afford to send me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't go. And then it took uh, another t like 15 years before I got into film school finally wow. to, at Columbia. So it was a, it was a real struggle to get in there. And in between I'd like, you know, I, I did, um, I did a stint as a poet. I always say I, I wasted my youth as a poet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, That's so romantic to think <laughs> yeah. about. Well, you're honing your craft. It's still iron on iron, right? Uh, it is still iron on iron. You're absolutely right. There's there's things in there, and especially being a performance poet, of course. You know, I uh, working with an audience and and timing, getting your timing down, and things like that. So um, I, I did. I I certainly I, I you know when I say that I it's I do it in jest. It was it was sure. a great mm -hmm. great experience. Uh, Seattle back then was you know the Wild West. Uh, when I was there, this was the late nineties. Oh my uh, gosh. So you were there for, you were there for Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and everything. I was there at the very tail end of all of that. Oh, but yeah, wow. I, yeah, and I knew people in Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always more of a Soundgarden guy myself, but yeah. Uh, yes. Actually, I'm sorry. Yeah. Soundgarden. I did know Soundgarden. So, uh, oh. uh Hiro, Hiro Yamamoto was a guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. And Kim and Chris and all. Wow. That's, that's, that's a whole other show. Mm. That's, that's the nineties <laughs> grunge <laughs> podcast that I'm going to spin off from this later on. <laughs> Jack's nineties grunge podcast. <laughs> yeah, com. <laughs> Man, what was it like working as a poet in Seattle? Um, well, back then, you know what it was, uh, so, you know, I had, uh, the, the poetry slam movement started here in Chicago. So that's where I knew the form, you know, um, and, uh, I moved out there, uh, specifically for the trees. Uh, I, I literally, you know, yeah. lived, having grown up in the Midwest, when I got out there, I was like, holy shit, there's trees and they're green. What is this Everything's world? Green it's amazing. <laughs> um, and so I really, really liked that. And so uh, my uh, my girlfriend at that time and I moved out there. Um, I had some weird plan that I was going to go to Vancouver and study film in Vancouver. But uh, Vancouver was farther from Seattle than we thought when we got there. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, a little ways north. It's just it's just further north, and then there's a border in between, and, and you have to stand at the border and stuff. Like I don't know, so mm -hmm. you know you have these fantasies. Uh, and then uh, and then I was kind of uh, you know there I was in Seattle, and I, you know they didn't have a, um, a poetry slam, and I was like, well, then this is pretty. But there was like a a pretty um, robust. Uh, literary scene, you know, like there were there were there were reading series all over town in coffee houses. There was a bunch of those. Yeah, sure. Uh, and um, uh, I thought, well, then this town is pretty wide open for for mm -hmm. this. And 
and I started it. It's still there. It's still running. It's That's still so doing cool. Thing. Yeah, it's it's a nice thing. So what's your uh, what's your day to day like in Chicago right now? Are you are you writing full time? Are you pursuing uh, different projects? What's it like for you day to day? Yeah. Um, so I'm a you know I'm a, I'm also a teacher. I've taught all nice. my life, uh, which is something I enjoy. I, I really I really like that. I, I like the balance uh, between having uh, something very real like that and then doing art. And you know, as 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 a part of my life, I'd love to reverse the 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 um uh, possibly the uh the the percentage of stuff mm-hmm. but teaching is something i really enjoy and uh uh so i've always done that right now i'm looking for work in that world but i just finished a, a feature script for a producer in poland uh i um, was because i i'm polish and speak polish and you know so okay. have i spell my name as you know because you asked uh when i sign my name i sign it in polish um uh, and, um, yeah, it's a, it's an adaptation of a novel, uh, a short novel by a guy named, uh, Nahach. And, uh, it's about, uh, a group of kids, uh, in the, uh, it's, this would be the year, what, uh, 2000. Um, uh, and, um, uh, they are, um, they're looking for mushrooms, uh, the hallucinogenic sort. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're uh, they're having a party, and it's 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 about them and about like this moment in time when uh, this this the you know the wall came down. Uh, this now this theme is going to start to to drift in here. Yeah. Uh, so the wall had just come mm. down, and these these kids were living in this in between world between uh, what had come before the the communist world and this new uh, you know. Uh, consumer capitalism that was in mm. invading. There it you know, is. And, mm-hmm. and created this this hallucinogenic moment in in uh, for them as well because it was all this sort of mishmash of these different ideologies and they were growing up and trying to figure out which of these ideologies was really them. Uh, so it was really cool. Uh, and then we we adapted this novel uh, um, with this producer, and so he's shopping it around. Cool. That's super cool. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. And listeners may have heard me going. I don't know if you heard me or not, but <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> these hums are coming about because today's script that we're talking about walls is the story <laughs> of a young girl named Laura living in this kind of consumerist crazed future future. That's all Similar, walled in. That's yeah. I I guess we should maybe start talking about the script and everything. I think we should. Uh, so we we do like Allison said. We do have this girl named Laura who's going to school in this world that is overtly consumer based and very controlled. There's like there's some there's somebody or some group of somebodies that are mm-hmm. in charge that are really controlling the behavior of people. Like the students have numbers. They don't have names when they're at school. And they're all being conditioned to buy things. Mm -hmm. They're they're rewarded for their right answers in class with like a form of currency that lets them buy more stuff. The instant they get it right and they're told that they've gotten this reward, they're immediately bombarded by ads of suggesting what they should spend it on. It's just, it's a a conditioning element of Mm. wanting you just to be this. And there's, what's the phrase that you have in the script, Paul, about you should consume as much as you can that way everybody produces as much as they can or vice versa? A good consumer produces to consume. 
That is such a weird mindset to be in. And I wrote that down in one of my notes. Like, let me just figure out exactly what I say mm-hmm. here. What What's happened in this overriding government that's getting people to make things so that they effectively then have something to do? You know, it's like they're yeah. trying to make them produce things so that they have things to do and then consume them so they're constantly needing to produce mm-hmm. as well. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Tell I mean, us about this, Paul. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it kind of goes, it's, it's, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Twilight Zone, uh, and, and the, the history of the script is that, uh, I, there's, there's a Rod Serling, uh, script writing contest out there in the oh, world. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, I, I wrote the script for that contest. Uh, then I looked at the fine print and, uh, you couldn't have produced anything ever before as a, mm. uh, paid writer to, to, to put your work into the contest. And so then, uh, the script that I have is what it, you know, what came out of that. Uh, and then, you know, I've tried to produce it before, uh, this, this, it's, uh, this would take some work to, to produce, you know, to, to get the visuals right. Um, I'd still love to do it, uh. Um, the the show you mentioned that's on the uh, what was the show the the black the black mirror black mirror mm-hmm. this would be a great black mirror episode I, I do I do think so the very yeah. first thing uh, I thought of when I read it absolutely this would be a great yeah. black mirror episode yeah yeah uh, and so you know it so it does have that twilight zoneish thing like I, I I specifically you know that was definitely very much foremost in my thought and then of course George Orwell right mm-hmm. yes uh, there's a that's lot the of, other one I was trying to find. Not, yeah, a lot of 1984 yes. sort of hints uh, about it, right? And I kind of reversed the genders, right? And then, and then instead of instead of the ideology being overtly political, right? It's it's this it's this weird economic thing, you know, from the the Pure Joy Company, right? Yeah, uh, uh, the Pure Joy Company, and the Pure Joy Company is now the controlling entity right uh in 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 this world in my mind so that was something Uh, that was really interested by what what was your motivation to going with a corporate and consumer dominated world as opposed to what i think may be a little more in vogue maybe now the idea of a dictatorial like you said political Mm -hmm. government situation what was your motivation to go with the 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 money route sure well i you know i think that uh yeah, funny, right? Uh, uh, Amazon does not. Are they a sponsor? No, we don't have any sponsors. Go, you go to town. Excellent. So, so, when, so I can talk about Jeff Bezos. So, you know, when I when I wrote this, uh, you know, I wrote. I mean, obviously, it's a work of fiction, but you know, Jeff Bezos just had is is starting a set of uh, uh, um, preschools, yeah. right? And he's overtly said that they are they are uh, created so that the the student is a consumer, right? Right. I mean, you know, so so this is I mean, for me, this is, you know, like a, a story about our very much about our society. Right. So when I describe this screenplay, you know, it's set in a world that is um, in, in in very scary ways, much like our own reality. Mm. Uh, and uh, and what I what I what I and there's like I was driving through Indiana one time too, uh, and Indiana is a very strange state um, if you've never been there. Uh, and 
and, uh, you know, and so when, when you're in the middle of Indiana, there's not, there's, there's a few radio stations, there's not many. And so you're, you're just flipping through the radio, you know, you finally find one. And again, there's like this commercial that's on and it, it the commercial was, um, uh, uh, about how we're going to train you to be a good worker and a good consumer. And right. it was like a training program for adults. Right. And that is really where this idea came from. No kidding. Consumer. It's from that radio commercial. And that was, you know, a couple of years back. And, uh, and so I, I feel this, that is the dominant ideology of our time right now, uh, I think. Uh, I, I think in many ways we have stepped back from overtly political uh, um, ideologies. And we have allowed this one to sort of really uh, come forward. Well, it's, um, I think it's interesting the way things sort of go in cycles, too. If you, if you think back a few years and you had the 1980s, which was characterized mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you know, the Wall Street movie, the idea of greed is good, main, you know, yeah. really pushing forward consumerism as a, a way of living, uh, yeah. everybody getting better at things, getting better at selling yeah. things, advertising all that stuff. And then maybe, you know, in the early nineties, you saw a bit of a, you started to see backlashes to that in things of, in terms of art. And I like, I I like the idea of a cycle of things going back and forth as far as maybe what the overarching concern amongst creative types is, whether you're talking about consumerism, whether you're talking about political strife, whether you're talking about war, whether you're talking about xenophobia, there's, there's a bunch of different things that can be the dominant sort of zeitgeist of the time. Right. So that that's kind of where it comes from, right? This this that's exactly right. I mean, that, you know, and hopefully I'm hitting it right. You know, that's kind of what I'm, you know, obviously get, you know, that is understandable. Do you see this script taking place in the what, very distant future, the not too distant future? How far out do you think do you think this could potentially be? Definitely not too distant future. For me, it's a it's a world a lot like our own, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't see I don't see Laura living in some. Uh, on a different planet or some, you know, some alternate universe. She lives in 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 on Earth, in an on an Earth that is not too far away. Again, you know, this is this is written before the the current presidency uh, here, and uh, and you know this this uh, this wall idea, right? I mean, yeah. you know, this was a, a campaign promise that we're uh, uh, that that we are uh, we're supposed to somehow have be walled in, you know, um, and the, having experienced, um, a, a country as a prison, uh, in my life, you know, uh, going to Poland, uh, I, I went to Poland when Poland was a communist country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, when you, when you passed through that border, right. Uh, it was entering a giant prison. Mm. that's what it was it's know? like security uh, big tall walls fences dogs guards is that what you mean yes well yes there was a literal wall right the, the berlin wall that stretched a- across europe sure. and uh and you would go and it was it was an interrogation about you know who you were how long were you going to be who you're going to see you know how much money do you have what is and is this all of this all of this uh information that you had to give out to some bureaucrat Right, sitting in front of you in a uniform, uh, and and you had to answer all these questions before they would let you go. And this is, of course, you're just a visitor to the country, right? The people living there were, you know, of course, terrified of this of yeah. the system that that was in place. Uh, and 
after the wall fell, uh, you know, one of the, the most amazing things that I have ever experienced in my life was um, I, I had rented a car in Prague and I was driving into Poland. And uh, so you, you cross these mountains. They're small mountains, but, you know, they're mountains. They're, sure. they're pretty. And you're, you're going up the one side, right, the Czech side, and then you're going to come down uh, the Polish side. And I knew that I was, uh, so there I was, I was coming down uh, into the Polish side. I knew the border was coming. So I had my passport ready uh, and all my papers, and then I'm driving, driving, and all the signs are in Czech, 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 and all of a sudden they're in Polish, 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 mm. Polish, Polish. And of course, what had happened was Schengen had happened, and the border wasn't there anymore. And you know, for the for the first time, I entered Poland, and it was truly free. Yeah, <laughs> like you could just come and go. There was nobody there to ask you any questions. Uh, you could do whatever you wanted to do. You could come and go. You know, I mean, it was just like mind blowing. Yeah. Just to give you a pick, there probably had been a border at that spot for the past six hundred years. Yeah. Wow. You know, there had been somebody standing there guarding that spot for six hundred years. Easy six hundred years. That's okay? that's that's and, incredible. Yeah, and the, so to just drive through there like that was just again like just for me, it was just a giant emotional uh, event. And so to, to then hear people, right, and it's this started before the current presidency, right, This to hear them bringing up this idea that we were going to be building these new walls around our societies, right, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. You, you, that is so terrifying to me you know it, it, it makes me so scared uh and, and that's another piece of, of where this this uh, uh this screenplay comes out of is, is that fear that people believe those walls are for other people the ones on the outside right, right? Mm. they're not they're for you <laughs> you're the one that gets stuck on the inside you know people don't realize that your nation your country you think that it's it can be a prison for you. Well, and just the idea that like, a door can open both ways and walls work two ways also, sure. <laughs> they work both ways. People, you know, and how do you get people to understand that? I, I, well, I'm, I guess I'm trying with this screenplay, right? Just to, to have, you know, to, in, a, in a dramatic story uh, about a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a coming of age story, right? Uh, to show what that is. Right, that, that you get you get locked in. Right. Speaking of which, we should probably uh, read a section, a selection of your script. Yeah, let's do it. So, listeners, we're going to read a selection from the script today. If you're reading along or listening along, it's script page three to five. Um, today, we're going to have Jack playing the character of Jim, a new student in the school. We're both playing thirteen-year-olds. That's Hi. fun. <laughs> Tiny voices. The peach fuzz will work out just <laughs> fine hilarious. for this. And I will be playing the character of Laura. And then Paul today is actually going to be doing our um, action headings because we are without our best friend, Frank. Ugh. I know. Yeah, Frank's still busy off having a life somewhere. He's having fun on vacation, texting us all hours of the day, all of his fun journeys. Yeah, he is. Um. So thank you, Paul, yes. for filling in. Yeah, we're without That's, Frank. Thank you, no Paul. Problem. So, Paul, whenever you're feeling ready, you can take it away. All right. Here we go. Uh, exterior schoolyard day. 
A set of mathematical algorithms is written with a stick and some dirt. The stick is held by Laura, who sits at the edge of a playground. The playground is enclosed by a high wall on which hang electronic billboards, which flash bright, colorful and loud commercials like, have you asked your parents about your next reward for the schoolwork you do? You know they can't say no. And walls are there to help you be the best consumer you can be. Have you thought about what your snack will be this afternoon? How about a pure sugary bar from the folks at Pure Joy? Laura looks up at the sky. A bird flies up above. Her gaze follows it as it disappears behind the wall. A shadow falls across her face. Instinctively, she slides her foot to cover the equations she's written out in the dirt. Student 658 smiles at her. Hi. Hi. Can I sit down? Sure. I'm Jim. Laura looks at him quizzically. Student 658 in level nine at the Pure Joy School for the Gifted Consumer, number eight. <laughs> Laura has to laugh at his overly serious recital. Laura. She puts out her hand. They shake. You've been at this school long? Mm-hmm. All my life. Your parents have never been transferred? Low-skilled. Subsistence farming. Yeah, but still, never transferred? Nope. Don't you want to see all four corners? The south wall? The hub? Laura shrugs. Jim points down to the algorithms in the dirt. What were you writing in the dirt here? Kind of looks like math. You like math? It's okay. We went on a school trip to see the southwest corner once. Oh, how was that? Okay, I guess. I hear it's almost a perfect right angle. I've only seen what they call the northeast corner, but it's just a curve. You can't really tell where one section of the wall begins and where the other ends. A chime sounds. Students head toward a door. See you inside. He smiles. Yeah. She smiles back. Exterior, and that's it. Yes, that is it. In scene there. I love that little scene of them just kind of, because that's really one of the... The, the p- big pieces of interplay we have between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees all this math he's doing. He's laying out kind of what the world looks like inside the walls here, that she's never really been anywhere other than where she is now. But Laura, of course, is much smarter than her parents want her to be made out to be. That, you know, she comes home from school and her dad says, did you let him know what you could do? And she says, no, I didn't let him know. There's her parents are kind of aware of how dangerous this world is that they live in, and they're trying to protect her from any more exposure there. And they're working on a secret project. Yes, those sneaky yeah. parents are working on something. <laughs> so, I, I, I was it was it overt to do? Was it overt, or am I just a big nerd? I think I know what probably the answer is to have a little bit of a Superman homage in here in this, in that Laura is maybe sort of a chosen one whose parents are going against what everybody else would want them to do to try to send their daughter up into the sky to, to for a better life. Yeah, you are a super nerd. Yeah, but that's definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the idea here is that uh, you're supposed to, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a high level of conf- another piece in, in, you know, at the beginning is the, the conformity, right? Everyone looks uh, very much alike. They wear very similar clothing uh, and, and have very, like their, their hairstyles should be pretty, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she doesn't quite fit that fit in there right there's something odd about her right right off the top about laura and then as you meet her parents you find out you know they they don't they don't want to be part of this uh consumerist world and even make fun of laura for you know having to uh 
to uh, give in a little bit, right? right? Just to play along. She has to play along with the consumer world. Uh, and they kind of give her a hard time about that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then in, in the end, right, they're, they're, they're also, I think, they're dreamers, right? They, they, want, they want to believe that there is another, another way possible. Yeah. Right. And that this other way possible is on the other side of this wall. Right. If we could just get over this wall. It it, will all be better. Right. It will all be better. Like everything will be better if we can just get over this wall. Which we we know is probably not the case. Well, so, yeah. So as, as the story does play out, there's a big dramatic moment where they sort of have to launch early because the this gym kid that was going to school with Laura. Yeah, what's the deal with him? Because it's like, yeah. it, was he on the inside from the beginning or was he just brainwashed and did like her and then had to like go to the dark side because that's what he knows? What's his deal? Well, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I, I would say yes to all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think, you know, and I mean, it being a short, right, I, that's, I think that's really up. That, that's more of an actor question, I think, than than a story question. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think he's yeah. They 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 want Laura. You know, they they think that Laura is super smart, right? And she is. And uh, Jim is sent in to mess with her uh, and to get her to confess that uh, uh, her abilities. Mm. Uh, and she does, of course, he does get her to confess, which is this. You know, uh, that's definitely Orwellian, right? Where yeah. This this world, and you, you're not quite sure whether Jim is really feeling what he's feeling um, or not. And again, having lived in, uh, having experienced interrogations, let's say, by uh, uh, experienced and really good uh, interrogators, uh, you know, in really good interrogators, you. you you're never quite sure whether they really maybe are on your side or not. Well, because there's an element of the uh, control. The I mean, the idea of good cop, bad cop isn't anything exactly. new. Trying to mess with somebody exactly. on an emotional level to get them to tell you what they want or to get you to believe what they want you to, that's all, it's, it's all psychological manipulation. It's been going on for a long time. That is that is exactly right, right? And so I think Jim is is uh, he might actually even have feelings for Laura, mm-hmm. but that's not really what's important, right? Yeah, he's brainwashed into this world, and he's doing his job. Yeah, yeah that's correct. So, that's Jack, correct. as you were saying, yeah. Jim gets sent in. Jim gets sent in, and he's trying to find out some things about Laura, and he kind of reports back to the higher ups that yeah, there's something else going on here, and it it, it confirms their suspicions, and they send everybody in, and there's this big moment where mom and dad, who have been working on this sort of rocket balloon kind of thing to get Laura at least hoisted up and out. They have to launch early. It doesn't really work. Laura gets high up, though, and gets to see more than anybody around is aware of. And, Paul, I'm hoping you could talk a little bit about why that was the big climax for you, what that was, and how you feel about that. Yeah, and so it the story opens, right, with her sitting on the on the ground um, drawing lines in the sand right right and uh the um the the definite uh antagonist the the branch manager jones the the she's the representative of the pure joy company that's that's uh you know in running this part of the world um uh and and they're trying they're at they're they're asking uh laura uh you know what what 
what is what do these lines mean? What do these lines mean? Right? And then the rest of the story is sort of like what these lines mean. Uh, and so at the at the end, uh, they as the as they're interrogating her, the balloon um, is they they let go of the balloon, right? They and the balloon goes up, and then at that point we go up with the balloon, mm-hmm. and we go up this wall, and this wall is very high, like it's you know two three thousand feet, and it goes up. And we finally see over the side of the other side of the the uh, the wall, and what's on the other side of the wall is almost identical to what's on Laura's side of the wall. And then there's another wall, and then it goes up higher and higher, and then it kind of goes impossibly high. And we see that the Earth is covered by sets of walls inside of which are almost identical units of of uh, uh, whatever organization mm-hmm. each looking like the one on the other side. I really and liked so, that because sense. it made me realize that like the bad guys in the, the bad guys, such great literary terms there, Allison, <laughs> the antagonists in <laughs> the story. Yeah. That they probably, they may not have any idea what's going on on a bigger level too, that they're, you know, they're not really worried about her getting over the wall at, at some, well, I mean, like, except for the sake of fear, like they know she's not supposed to go. And so Uh they don't want her to go, but they, they don't know what those lines mean. They don't know what she's seen on the other side as well. That's that's exactly right. Right. So everybody is stuck in, in the inside. Right. And so even the people that are controlling are stuck inside. That is correct. And that comes like, that comes from, uh, so, you know, when I finished college, uh, um, I, I got a political science degree. That was my degree that I got. Oh, and okay. so that, uh, that comes straight out of Hannah Arendt. Uh, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've ever read your Hannah Arendt, but uh, she, you, you should. If you've not read Hannah Arendt. Yeah, you I don't know that. <laughs> uh, uh, this is to your audience, too. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll fully, I, I don't know either. Uh, yeah. Uh, origins of totalitarianism. That's the one. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, in there, she, she describes like a totalitarian system. And one thing that totalitarian systems must do is eat their own, right? They eventually turn on themselves. There is, it's impossible for them not to, because you must have enemies. There must be. And so eventually it becomes yeah. this very insular uh, system where every, everybody's ignorant, uh, except maybe like one person or two or three, right, that have this bigger picture, but almost no one else does. And so, yeah, they're they're all stuck. And these lines, of course, she's trying to communicate something to them uh, at the at the end. I and mean, I think this is the real tragedy, right? Is that she will forever like her parents think that they have set her free, but her freedom has now captured her and it isolated her almost completely from anybody else in the, in the in, that she'll ever meet again mm. right she'll never be able to explain what she saw yeah for she, real. she's a 13 year old now who is in a full-blown existential crisis she's i mean going back to like you know the origins of existentialism with the French and post World War II and like the what was the what's the one feeling when you realize when you have realized this moment's going on uh, le nausé where you're just like what is what am I going to do what's the point right yeah and I think that's right and so and she will be she won't be able to share that with anybody yeah Man. and that's real, that's the real tragedy of it 
why do you start the script with that moment at the very beginning of her drawing those lines in the sand? Why don't you jump with mm, like yeah. where the school starts or anything? Right. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's on the on the one hand, it's it's a it's a device, right? Um, the device is, you know, it 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 triggers a question in the audience, like, well, you know, the, the the character, her mom, and and um, uh, um, the uh, branch manager uh, are asking her, "What does this mean? What does this mean?" Well. Now the audience has the question, right? So hopefully that'll uh, propel the audience to to stick with the story to find out what the, what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, also, though, I think it's it's the the central image, right, of the of the piece. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. this, it's it is the it is these walls. Of course, of course, there's the physical walls, but then there's also the social walls. Right. And then that are there, the political walls and the economic walls. Uh, there's all kinds of different walls, of course, uh, in the piece. And so that is the central image for 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 the story. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I noticed, too, was that you didn't do like a Hunger Games kind of thing where her parents are a part of a larger resistance organization. From the way this yeah. script is written, it's just mom and dad that want to help their kid. Right. And I thought that was a very interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, um, right. I figured if, you know, if you, the, the most successful, uh, resistance is the resistance that is, uh, super small, right? Uh, and this again comes from like dissident, the dissident life that, that I knew from communist world, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's, uh, the private world is where dissidents, can can where you can be a dissident, right? You can be a dissident in your private world. In your public world, you must conform. Uh, and so that was kind of the the, the picture. Uh, uh, I think Solzhenitsyn also kind of describes that carefully. And and Miwash Chesapiars also talks about that that the private becomes your 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 refuge, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that's that's definitely why I chose that. And no, I didn't want there to be this uh, contest, right, where uh, between between different systems. Yeah. Right? This is not about like different. There is only one system in this in this world. Right. And resistance is removing yourself from all of that, right, mm-hmm. including any kind of like we're against it. Uh, we want to free ourselves from systemization. Uh, I think that's what they're after. I think it was really brave of you to let them be wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I struggled with that. Right. Uh, with that ending, I think took me the longest mm. uh, to, to, to figure out. Uh, Cause yeah, to, you know, what's on the other side. Right. And then, do they know for real or, or are they just as stuck as everyone else? And I think, again, the, uh, and this I think comes from sort of the, you know, the, my feeling of, of, of homogenization, right? I mean, there is, you know, when you talk to people who, um, uh, uh, consider themselves, uh, conservatives or want to, uh, hold on to less than, you know, that want to hold on to traditional cultures, right? Uh, you know, they'll talk about we want we want to hold on to traditional culture, but then at the, in the same breath, they will talk that they want 
to promote uh, you know, a consumer capitalism, right? And there is no more powerful a force in the universe to that destroys traditional cultures than consumer capitalism, right? There's just, that is just a giant wrecking ball that comes through and creates monotonous landscapes all over the world, right? Uh, selling the exact same products the exact same way, uh, you know, with slight color differences or whatever. But, you know, there's sugary drinks everywhere in the world now in cans and bottles, and they are essentially the same drink. Right. Thank you. That's uh, been my argument for Coke and Pepsi for a very long time. Jack has this thing that Coke and Pepsi are basically the same. There's drink. no difference. There is no difference. And it just goes on and on in the world. I mean, there you, are You just validated like tons of bar <laughs> arguments between me and Jack. I'm telling you, there's no anybody who says that there's a difference is fooling themselves. It's the same brown sugar water that rots your teeth. Allison, I, I have to. I, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll give you some ammunition. I am a Coke connoisseur, by the way. Mm-hmm. I've traveled the world and I taste Coke everywhere, and I can tell you where the best Coke in the world is. So Do it's tell. not all the same. Ha! Uh, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, and then and then of course, just how funny it is that I'm writing the script being a co-connoisseur, right? Yeah, I'm right. I'm a co-connoisseur, right? right? So there's a bit of irony It in is that. ironic. Yeah. So and, a, and, a bit, and I'm self-aware that this is my, you know, in some way that is my culture. Right? Well, but that's, and, that's a beauty part of being human, right? Embracing all of our hypocritical paradoxes of, 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 of wanting to rage against whatever military-industrial complex there is and consumerism or whatever, and then also being able to appreciate whatever weird illusion you're living under that Coke tastes different in different places. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an illusion. It's Coke. <laughs> uh, so how much thought I'm have gonna, you put I'm into... i die believing that. Um... <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> so how much thought have you put into uh, things like production, the aesthetics of this? Uh, you know, like you talked about, in, uh, the, needing some special effects, I think, is pretty much a given in the way the technology of the classroom is. And if nothing else, that final shot that you need to get so high up to show all these walls and everything. H- yeah. how, how much detail-wise and aesthetically have you thought about this? Well, uh, in my mind, a lot. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in you know in terms of like uh, working with a production team, uh, not so much, right? Hey, maybe this is this is the key right here. You know, somebody's yep. going to be listening to this podcast, read my script, and wants to make it. Hey, give me a buzz. God willing. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, and uh, you know, or drop me a line, and uh, and uh, let's get it going. Um, uh, so. Yeah, I wrote this. I wrote it for that contest, and then um, I've been, uh, you know, I've been shopping it around. It's done. It's done pretty well. Like it, uh, it I translated it into French uh, for um, a, a European festival uh, uh, in Lille. They they have a big uh, European screenwriting festival, and uh, it got accepted into that. So that was a big deal for me. Uh, so it, it's it's. It's one of these scripts that, you know, that's been bouncing around. People like it. People read it. They go, wow, it's really cool. They, they like the way that um, the story kind of develops, right? You find out, like, each scene, you, you, you find out just a little bit more about the world. And each one, you're just like, oh, that's weird. And then, oh, man, that's even weirder. Uh, and that, so uh, they like that. Um, but in terms of actual production, yeah, that's 
that's about it. You know, I just had a thought, Paul. Have you ever considered this being like an animated project? Uh, I mm. think it would be a great animated piece. Yeah. You draw it out. I think that'd be great. I, I can yeah. see just some of those scenes of like an intense corporate structure with children hitting a lot of similar tones in a lot of different uh, animes that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that as well. That's interesting. I automatically yeah. think of it as being like a black and white line drawing with all the computer graphics, like oh yeah, very technical and colorful, popping in a big way. Um, yeah, yeah, and the world. Yeah, I certainly the you know, like I, I go between like it being very colorful and being very dull yeah. looking, right? I don't know. I don't. I'm, there's there's an argument about it being a very colorful world. Where these, you know, they're very artificial, right? Mm -hmm. It's very artificially colorful world, uh, and then it's sort of pushing nature. Almost nature is is the the grayish out there, right? Uh, until you get into the world where the the farm is, right? And then the farm, then that because there's no more of this garish these garish colors, then nature can come can be more alive, can have a more vibrant. Uh, um, color scheme there. I think that's I, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you know, then yeah, that's kind of one one way that I th I thought about uh, uh, visualizing this. Mm, that's um, I, and then my you know my favorite image is the balloon rising at night, right. which which I thought was the was one of my best ideas was because I was like you know this balloon rising during the day would be very you know. But if she's there right at night and then as the sun comes up, you know, then the world is, you know, revealed to her, right, at the back end. And then this is, that's the way, you know, uh, I, I like that. And so into the night, into the day. Right. Paul, I very much like the idea of maybe somebody hearing this show and having the, having read the script and listening to this interview with you and then having their own thoughts visually about what they could bring to the table. If such a person exists, and I don't know why they wouldn't, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, you know what? Drop me uh, an email. Uh, and my email. I'm an email kind of person. So uh, email is p dot g r a. J Ed is a Nancy E R T at Gmail. Awesome. We will uh, make sure that there is a link uh, for that for you, of that for you. I'm screwing up my prepositions here. Uh, on, importantly, scriptshopshow.com. Uh, and uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, I think that would be an awesome, awesome collabo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, uh, you know, talk to somebody who has a mind who can uh, help me produce it. Definitely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show and sharing this great concept with us. It's almost too scary to talk about. Mm, yeah, I, that's kind of, <laughs> I love it. The more I think about it, the, the scarier it is as well. But I, I uh, thank you for, for liking it, Jack. Appreciate that. Thanks, man, very much. Really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. I liked it, too. I know you did. It just scares the shit out of me to really think about this stuff. Well, yeah. You know? I feel like a lot of times, and we might have talked about this before, anything that's like horror related is really hard for me to dive into mm -hmm. because I just sit there imagining myself going through these actual scenarios. 
and I scare the crap out of myself. Well, and I think you're also in a very unique place life-wise where we talked earlier about having doing a combination of baby olive plus gore. Yeah, it But I would work. say just in general, you're in such a like a hopeful, optimistic yes. mode because you've got this new life that's just getting going. And the last thing you want to think about is how, what if the universe Fuck, It sucks? already is. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. So sometimes it can be really I don't blame you for not wanting to go there in your own head. I understand. It's so funny because I've never been this type of person. I've always liked going there and pushing the limits on like pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And now there are limits. And well, you've never been a mom before. Yeah. Mm. What a cool collabo. What a cool collabo. <laughs> if you have something that you think of would be a cool collabo. And speaking of which, real quick, uh, I had no idea that Paul was going to bring so much to the table in terms of yeah. political theory and history it. and all that stuff. Teaching I, me new things. That was extremely a well thought out. All that informed a very cool script, which you can read on scriptshopshow.com. Yes, yes, yes. Because if you read that script, you wouldn't know any of that stuff. You have to listen to this exclusive interview with Script Shop to really hear where it comes from and what he was thinking. And you'll be hugely impressed when you read his script to see how he takes these big concepts and puts them boop, boop, boop into this fast-paced little script. It's great. Uh, if you've got something with big concepts that have been boop, boop, booped into a little script or even maybe a not so little script, uh, you can send them to us by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Or going to filmfreeway.com, look up script shop and submit to us there. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on, on Instagram. Script Shop Show is looking us up on all of those things. <laughs> looking us up on all of those things. I was about to say, are you doing this on purpose or no, are I'm, you having a heart attack right now? It's, it's been a long day. I'm, it smells like burning hair. Does anybody else smell burning hair? <laughs> um, you can find Jack talking Bonnie. weird on Twitter. He is uh, Script Shop Jack. And Allison talks weird on Twitter uh, at your bestie Westy. Yes, I've been talking about tacos, and I really want to put this hilarious. Okay, have you seen these pictures of pregnant ladies taking milk baths? No. Do you know what these are? Why would I? See We're gonna that? look them up after the show. But I don't it, want to. But the thing is, is, I told my mom next time I'm pregnant, let's do one of those. But instead of putting flowers in it, let's just put cereal in it, and the picture can just me be me actually eating. <laughs> well, folks, it's been a great show. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, until next time, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.